Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. I am your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. If you are a return listener, thank you for coming back. We would love your rating or review. And whether you've tuned in this episode to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you are in the right place. My guest this episode is the founder of Good to Gold Metal. He is a leading coaching and consulting practice. He's the author of several books. One of my favorites and the first I read of his being The Champion's Mind, How Great Athletes Think, Train, and Thrive. He's also the author of The Champion's Comeback, How Great Athletes Recover, Reflect, and Reignite. In The Young Champion's Mind, For Your Kids, How to Think, Train, and Thrive Like an Elite Athlete. And his latest, latest book, The Leader's Mind, How Great Leaders Prepare, Perform, and Prevail. You can find him on Twitter at Gold Metal Mind. You can check out his website as well, goldmetalmind.net. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, Mr. Jim Afromo. Dr. Jim, how are you? I'm doing great, Tyler. Thanks for having me on today. I'm excited. I've been wanting to have you on the podcast. Uh, I've loved your books. You got a new one out we'll talk a little bit about as well. But what first got you fascinated? Uh, you know, we mentioned just, you know, Eugene Hayward Field and your background there. You're back in Oregon. Um, what got you fascinated with mental performance uh, as a career? Yeah, so I grew up in a uh, family, a very uh, active family, and uh, my dad ran master's track. So, you know, Oregon was a great place for that. And I would, you know, I was in track and I would compete at actually Hayward Field back in the day, you know, for state championships and things like that. But uh, played a variety of sports and a lot of physical activity and, you know, rock climbing, mountain climbing, those kind of things. And I realized early on that, um, you know, I had to overcome myself before I could win against anyone else. And, you know, those little battles that we have on the inside, you know, doubts and fears and worries and distractions and getting discouraged when things weren't working well. And I never found any satisfactory answers, you know, and this was, you know, a little bit, you know, back in time, you know, in the, in the late eighties, but, you know, I'd ask questions like, Hey, I get really nervous before a track meet. What can I do? And, you know, my dad or, you know, friends or coaches or others would say, well, don't worry about it, <laughs> you know, or, or, you know, sometimes take a deep breath, which doesn't hurt, but I never found these satisfactory answers. And it was also during a time where, you know, people were kind of like, you know, of the belief that you're either kind of born with confidence or you weren't, you know, you either were good at focusing or you weren't. And so what really got me fascinated in sports psychology was, man, not only is this stuff helpful in sports, and we could all learn to get better at these mental skills and strategies, but it helps with everything else. So it helps in the classroom or it helps in the business world. And so they're really life skills. And I love that idea that, you know, I might not be as tall as, you know, maybe my favorite NBA player or as fast as Usain Bolt on the track, but I could learn to think like them. We could all learn to think like them and be a champion in everything that we do. Love it. Um, your latest book is a little bit of a pivot into leadership. Um, can you talk a, a little bit about, about the new book? Absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. 
Yeah, just a fun project. Eh? Uh, uh, my co-author is uh, Phil White. He's worked on several, you know, top-selling books, and he's in your neck of the woods. He's in, uh, based out of Evergreen, Colorado. Oh yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, we just had a blast, and and you know, kind of along those lines of, you know, uh, the mental game or sports psychology, their life skills, uh, leadership, as we all know, is important not only in sports, but you know, whether you're a parent or you know, in the business world, obviously, in anything that we do. And uh, most of us have heard this, but it's, it, it's a truism, which is, you know, people don't leave bad jobs, they leave bad people, <laughs> you know, yeah, and, and, yeah. and, you know, that could be a boss or, or someone else, but leadership is hard, and it's never been more important. And uh, people, especially this younger generation, they want you to care about them as a person as much as, you know, just a productivity machine. And okay. there's a saying in the military, which is, you know, humans are always more important than hardware. And so, you know, that's what good leaders do is they make you feel important. They make you feel like I care about you, not just in terms of the uniform that you're wearing, but the person inside the uniform. So we ended up uh, featuring eight different leaders. And one of them is Marcus Aurelius, who was the, you know, the most okay. powerful person in the world when he was a, the Roman emperor back in the day. And he didn't take advantage of that. You know, we always usually talk about, you know, uh, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Well, he was the opposite. He's like, man, you know, like you got to do, got to focus on yourself and taking, you know, being a good person. And so yeah. I thought that was great. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, we also interviewed uh, the uh, women's uh, soccer coach at Stanford. Uh, we have a whole chapter on Steve Kerr. And just a lot of little gems and, and little nuggets in terms of how to be a great leader, how to lead yourself, um, how to create a winning culture, those kind of things. Well, that's my other question I had jotted down here. I saw you had a post recently about lead like a Roman emperor. So um, I guess that was that you already kind of peeked into that. I think it's chapter seven. Um, yeah. you, you can read more about that. Um, what was it? Uh, what was one little nugget about? Steve Kerr, maybe in the, in the leadership and the team he's developed there that uh, you might be able to share. Well, I love Steve Kerr's story because he's always been an underdog. And, you know, when he went to play at University of Arizona, was he tall enough, fast enough, good enough, uh, ended up being great at, at Arizona. And then obviously with the Bulls and then with San Antonio. But what's really neat about Steve Kerr is he's a student of leadership. And that's what I find uh, you know, with the best leaders is they love learning about leadership. They have a growth mindset, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, I don't have all the answers and I'm willing to surround myself with people that maybe are smarter than me uh, or, you know, uh, or can teach me something. And so one of the little nuggets from Kerr is when he decided to take the job, um, you know, there were a lot of naysayers, you know, the job with Golden State Warriors. Well, he has no coaching experience, blah, 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 blah. Well, he reached out to Popovich and Phil Jackson and all these guys that he was, played for and kind of learned a lot from them, even went outside of his own sport, which I thought was really cool in, in terms of going to Pete Carroll and saying, Pete, you know, what do you, what do you recommend for me? Yeah. And, you know, Pete said, don't worry about the X's and O's. It's about people. And so he said, what are your core values? He said, come up with 10 and then narrow those down to four. And so that's something I think all leaders should do and all of us should do is, you know, what are your core four, so to speak, your core yep. four values? And for him, it was, you know, mindfulness and joy and those kind of things. 
And so I really like that about Kurt. And then just one little, another anecdote is when he did take over the job with, uh, with Golden State, is he reached out to all the players and he said, you know, I want to get to know you as a person before I, you know, I get to know you as a player. And so, you know, where do you like to eat? What do you like to do? What are your hobbies? And, you know, I think that really created the tone that, you know, this is a place where you could be yourself and, you know, and, 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 you know, let's all be authentic, but let's all have this big goal and this big dream together. Love it. And you talked a a little bit, you said it, a student of leadership. Um, for the young coaches and student athletes out there, can leadership be taught? Can it be developed? How does one go about it? Yeah, it, it's a great question because, you know, some leadership classes will start out with the question, you know, is, is are, are you born a leader or do you become a leader? Right. And, you know, it probably is a combination of both, but we could all become better at it. And that's for sure. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, one of the keys is, you know, kind of alluded to earlier is self-leadership is start with yourself, you know, get your own house in order. So, uh, you know, if, if, you know, am am I doing this for the right reason? Am I here to serve others? Um, You know, uh, am I learning how to get better at what I do day in and day out? So uh, it's always kind of being a student is kind of the first step. Uh, And the second thing is, you know, we always say that, you know, leaders are readers. So you got to read a lot. You got to learn a lot. And one of the things to do is just read a lot of books about, you know, people that you admire and kind of, you know, uh, and, you know, whether in different fields, kind of like Steve Kerr reached out beyond basketball, but uh, learn a lot from others. And there's going to be times and places where it's like, oh man, what would so-and-so do or what would so-and-so do? And then you have kind of a blueprint. I think that the the challenge is, you know, we don't need to uh, kind of, you know, go through the wilderness of leadership all on our own. There's so much good information out there that yeah. we want to have some role models that we could look up to. What, uh, you spent a lot of years with athletes, coaches, Olympic level, spent years in, in the university level. Um, maybe it's more related to the times we're in now, but is there a mental skill or something that you, you really love to teach or, or maybe, uh, ebbs and flows, but is there, is there one on the top of mind now you, that you really love to teach athletes and coaches? Yeah, I usually like to, it's a, it's a kind of a sports psychology thing of the, the, what's called the four C's of mental toughness. And, and I really uh, am big on mental toughness. Now, some people, when they hear mental toughness, they think of kind of the old school way of using yeah. the term, yeah. like, you know, grit your teeth or, you yeah. know, risk an injury or have someone yell at you while you're doing pushups. Right, <laughs> so, right. You know, where I think a more modern definition is just staying really positive and proactive uh, under the most adverse conditions. And um, so the four C's of mental toughness that I like to teach are confidence, number one, which is, you know, really believing in yourself to an unbelievable level. And, you know, if you don't believe in yourself, again, you know, your teammates and coaches are probably not going to believe in you either. So confidence is key. Second area is concentration, and that's focusing on the right thing at the right time every time. Now, that's, you know, probably not possible, but that's the goal. Um, So, you know, being more in the moment. Uh, Most of us are so, you know, scattered throughout our day. It's really about, you know, being where your feet are. And I like to use the analogy of, you know, be a predator on the field when it's time to perform. So, I like to joke, be where your fangs are or be where your claws are, you know, not not just your feet. Uh, composure is a big one too. And uh, so that's the third C. And that's really about, you know, kind of keeping a cool head when the heat is on, 
So maybe you're down in a game or, you know, maybe, you know, someone's chirping at you on the other, you know, on the other sideline and you gotta, you gotta keep your cool, um, uh, versus, you know, getting too angry, uh, you know, or, uh, maybe even too nervous. Um, so keeping a cool head and then number four, the four C is commitment. And that's really about having both feet in and, you know, kind of along the lines of what the Navy SEALs talk about, you know, all in all the time. And so what I mean by, you know, kind of commitment is that you don't give yourself an out. You're either committed or you're not, and you're not going to BS yourself. So if you say, I really want to go after A, B, or C, I'm coming at it with everything I've got. I'm going to put, you know, throw the whole kitchen sink at it. And when times are tough, I'm just going to double down on my commitment. And, you know, it's kind of recommitting every day. Most of us kind of find times to decommit <laughs> where we really want to find times to, that we really need to you know, recommit to our goals. Yeah. I think uh, the cool head, that C, let's dial into that one for a sec. I know I struggled as a young athlete keeping a cool head. Um, different day and age for athletes and coaches now, um, whether it's anxiety or arousal control, um, just seems much more palpable uh, around teams lately in the, in the last several years. Um, is there something that you like to go to? Is it breath or, or what is it to kind of manage those things when they, you know, bubble up or when you were in search of those things uh, back in your younger years, you mentioned earlier. Yeah, I think that number one, uh, uh, you know, most of us have heard about taking deep breath, but sometimes you might need to take two. <laughs> um, now, if you really want to pump up for something, you know, focus more on the inhale. So, you know, if you're about to bench press, you know, or whatever, uh, really just focus on a strong inhale and that kind of, you know, gets you jacked up. If you want to kind of relax or let something go, I think really focusing on a long exhale will help with that. So taking a deep breath, taking a mindful breath is a good reset. Uh, I think body language is key too. Uh, I was fortunate enough uh, when I was a grad student at Michigan State to be around Nick Saban and yeah. the football program when he was there with the Spartans. And I always remember him telling the team, uh, when your body language is down, you're telling the other team, beat us now. And so even if on the inside we're feeling panicky, uh, you know, keeping that cool head at least on the outside is important with good body language because it says, you know, hey, look, we're in control. I'm in control. Uh, you know, we might might be behind in the game, but you're never going to break our spirit. So I think that's important. Uh, but yeah, having little phrases as well, uh, forget it and focus or next play, best play, those kind of things are really helpful. Um, but what I've learned from working with some of the best athletes and studying the best athletes in the world is they tend to underreact to adversity in the moment. Uh, you know, it's almost like Roger Federer, you know, like Nadal hit a perfect shot against him and then he'll go, oh, you know, oh, well, and then win the next point. And right you know, where most of us would be, you know, like, oh my God, you know, the sky is falling. And they're just like, you know, hey, there's plenty of tennis left or there's plenty of opportunity left. So they underreact, keep their cool and then get back on track again. So I think that's an important reminder. Uh, one way to underreact is to slow things down a little bit. I know when I have a lot going on, I tend to start driving faster, right. <laughs> you know, like when I'm loaded, especially on game day. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, you mentioned uh, 
Saban, uh, is there any other lesson from an athlete or coach that maybe sticks out that, that stuck with you and something maybe you reteach or share with others? One of my favorite stories from uh, my first book, The Champion's Mind, is from Natalie Cook. And her story is fantastic for all of us. And she shared it in the book under the chapter Gold Medal Reflections. But so she was growing up, you know, a young kid in Australia. And her grandfather really encouraged her to dream big. And, you know, said, hey, you know, what do you really want to accomplish? You know, what do you really want to go after in life? And she said, you know, grandpa, I want to win a gold medal. And he's like, great, go for it. You know, and so step number one is set up, you know, almost like a that's impossible goal. And what she did, which most of us tend to do the opposite is we tend to like not want to share our goals just in case we don't achieve them. <laughs> and so, yep. but she had a different strategy. Hers was, I'm going to tell everyone. Number one, I'll find out who really supports me. Number two, I could probably cut loose some people that are more of the naysayers or, you know, yeah. that extra weight on the journey. And then number three, people are going to probably, you know, that believe in me are going to help support that dream and, you know, and, and, and really give me that extra level of, you know, uh, of direction and support that I need. So anyway, she surrounded herself with the color gold. So she wore gold colored glasses, you know, like had, you know, uh, gold color pajamas, all those kind of things, and really went after it. Well, 1996, she ends up uh, winning bronze in the Atlanta Olympics in, in beach volleyball, sand volleyball. And then she ends up in 2000, think about this, in Sydney, her home country wins the gold medal. Wow. Uh, but my favorite part of the whole story is, um, you know, she was asked, well, what if you never did win the gold medal? What if you maybe just won the silver medal? You know, as if that wasn't amazing. <laughs> but, um, but her response was perfect and a great lesson for all of us. She said, look, if I won the silver medal, I would have painted that medal gold. And her whole point was, it's not really about the medal, it's about living a gold medal life and having the courage to go after what you want most in life and have, you know, kind of enjoy the journey. The journey itself was golden. And uh, so I really like that. So, you know, kind of the question for all of us is, you know, to ask ourselves is, what can we start doing today that will make our own lives more golden? Great story. Love it. Um, if you could get in the time machine and go back to uh, more the start of your career, what's one thing you would go back and, and tell yourself to focus on? I'd probably have a long list of <laughs> things. And, Fair. Uh, but, but one of them, I love this question. It's a great question for all of us to think about. Um, uh, one thing that, you know, again, it was probably a little bit different of a generation, but you know, uh, asking for help was kind of an admission of weakness. And, sure. um, you know, I kind of fan like to fancy myself as kind of trying to be self-made and all those kind of things. And um, if I could go back in time, I would take advantage of every single resource around me, you know, whether yeah. counseling, sports psychology, you know, tutoring, coaches, you know, uh, friends, family, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, and kind of create this team of excellence around me. Uh, I just think that's so important. Uh, one of my favorite stories when I worked at Arizona State University, I was in sports medicine, counseling services, and I had worked with this football player early on in his career. He had some, you know, some challenges in terms of, you know, homesickness and then, you know, just in terms of keeping his confidence and, you know, while he was going through a rough patch on the field. Mm -hmm. 
And we did a lot of great work together. And I thought he was just, you know, I really appreciated him and, and you know, everything that we were working on, uh, just his commitment to, to working on his mental game. But uh, anyway, near the end of his senior year, he came back to see me and he had been playing great. And so I said, hey, what brings you in? You know, I'm glad to see you, yeah. but what brings you in? And he said, you know, everything's going fine. I just realized that once I leave ASU, I'm not going to have some of these resources <laughs> for free that, I, you know, that I've been kind of using since, you know, yeah. since I, I started school. And I really loved that. I said, oh, great, let's take you from, you know, great to greatest, you know, or whatever. And but I just love that attitude that if someone's there to help me, I want that. And so I think more of us could really benefit from that, especially when it comes to things like mental health or whatever issue. Yeah.